0: Welcome to Because We Make, the podcast about making creativity and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari. Joining me as always, my co-host Ethan Carter. What's going on, man? Hey, Vincent. How's it going, man? It's, I'll tell you what, it's a momentous occasion. I know. It's a momentous occasion. Not I only said, is it Monday night, but... <laughs> I said we were going to have a very big guest and yep. a very important guest. Now, I don't use the term mentor lightly, but <laughs> our next guest is my mentor. I have learned so much from this person and we'll get into what i've learned and he's gonna drop some serious knowledge on you guys um (laughs) but rather than blather on and on let's just introduce i we have the one the only jason stapleton welcome jason what's up guys thanks Uh, for having me oh it is so coming on it's so good to finally have you on because it's like I get to actually talk to you not just chat with you while you're doing your show it's kind of neat <laughs> well yeah no
1: I know because we've been we've known each other for a while but it's one of those it's one of those new age 21st century relationships where you <laughs> know somebody and you've chatted with them online but you've never really had a, a conversation I, I right. you know I have so many friends around the world who are exactly like that. Like, I mean, you know, as soon as Amy, Amy who works with me and and who kind of manages my business, um, as soon as she says, Vincent, I know exactly who she's talking about. I know exactly (laughs) what you're doing and your business and all of that. But this is the first time we've ever actually sat down and connected. So it's, uh, it's
0: great. It's, it's so Jason, Jason was the top libertarian podcast on the internet. I mean, I would say, as far as Libertarian podcasts, he was one of two that I actually listened to. Um, he, you changed your focus on your show. Yeah. Um, and you started, but you didn't change it all at once. You kind of started, you eased into it a little bit. And one of the reasons I call you my mentor is because, and I actually sent, the, it was the first time I reached out to you, was in an email, and I said, You know, Jason, all your talk about raising your human capital, because that's basically your mantra, raise your human capital, always be improving, always seek increase. And one of the things that resonated for me was raise your human capital, learn what you can. If your company's teaching you something, learn it. Mm. And I did that. And I started learning all the aspects of my company. And when the company started to go south, they actually needed me to stay on. They couldn't let me go because I knew how to do jobs that I didn't know how to do before you said that. Yeah. And then when that company finally did go under, I got the next job I have, the one I have now, four days later, using skills that I had learned at the last job because I listened to you. So, I mean, when you give me advice now, it's like, oh, Jason says to do this. I have to do this. That's it. There's no alternative. Um, it's, it's been amazing, though, watching you transform from a political and an economic podcast into a podcast about growth and develop about individual growth and development but also about building a brand and increasing your influence and doing more you know being better at communicating where did that come from like was that just something you were always interested in or what what caused the switch too right Yeah. yeah that That'd be good to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of funny because I was uh, I owned a company uh, that that taught
1: uh, investors and traders how to read the market, basically how to how to do market structure and and read uh, how to invest and make money at that. And I had gotten that company had gotten relatively large, and and I had turned over most of the day to day operations to other people, and I was handling basically the business stuff, the marketing. I was the face of the brand. I was doing all of that. And that was taking up the vast majority of my time. And I said, "I, you know, I wonder if this was just a fluke. I wonder if I built one business and that that's all I can do. But one of the things that I really liked talking about was politics and economics because I felt like a, a greater understanding of both would help people grow and become uh, more successful and more independent and I was very libertarian minded and so I started a podcast that was devoted to talking about the things that I couldn't really talk about in my business but Mm -hmm. that I thought were really valuable for people to know and understand and and I I, I really did think a greater understanding of that would lead to more wealth and more freedom, uh, more financial freedom and life freedom for those folks. And uh, we struggled at the very beginning with the podcast like anybody else does we ha- i mean i remember i had 60 downloads i think the first episode and we grew from there and we kind of stalled out at around 300 and I remember thinking, well, I'm not really sure how long I'm going to continue doing this because 300 people, it sounds like a lot. If you had a room full of
0: 300 people, you'd be like, oh, I got a huge crowd. <laughs> we <laughs> right. say that all the said That's something we say all the time. Like, our audience is also small. And we're like, yeah, but if those people were all in a room, it would be pretty intimidating. And that's really fair to say that. It's in, but in, in my
1: mind, I'm thinking, okay, I, if, if it's not. By that point in my career, I really was looking at it in terms of look. If I can't make a million dollars doing this, then I don't. I don't really want to do it because it's that's where my mindset was. So mm-hmm. I wanted to reach everybody. Like I, if you ha- were politically or ideologically aligned with me, I wanted to reach you. And if I couldn't figure out how to do that, then I, I didn't want to worry about small potato stuff. So I wanted to see the growth. I was I was comfortable as long as I could see the growth, but I wasn't seeing it. And so we were working at it and. And then we just kept testing a bunch of different stuff in our podcast, and we kind of found a rhythm, and we found a niche, and we found people who really responded well, and we just kind of, we just leveled up everything that we were doing and what we were saying, and as we moved into the 2016 election, we really hit, I don't know, a, a vertical stride that, that took us from oh, around 2,000 downloads an episode to 30,000, 35,000 downloads Whew. an episode. And we became, the, like by a significant margin, the biggest libertarian podcast in the world. Wow. And um, as as that started to grow and as we came out of 2016 and, and that was kind of the political side of it was done, I started reassessing what we were doing and what I really wanted to get across to people. And I started injecting... What was really common for me, because I used to talk about it all the time when I was teaching traders, uh, the inspirational stuff, the entrepreneurial stuff, the mindset stuff that really, I think, causes the greatest shift in people's lives mm. is the mental shift, and mm-hmm. so I started talking with people about that, and I got a, I got a lot of blowback from my audience, which, <laughs> really? I, which I thought was odd because we're all about freedom and like self-sufficiency, that's a very libertarian idea. And what I realized was I had attracted a large group of people who professed to, cons- to be concerned about their own self-sufficiency and, and their, own, uh, their own liberty, but who really were only interested in, uh, in complaining about politics and being mm-hmm. angry and mad at the world. They weren't actually invested in any change. They derived a great deal of satisfaction by just hating Uh, everybody that they viewed as being responsible for their failures or their shortcomings in life. And so um, I made a decision to change, entirely change the direction of the show and start Focusing the show, we we as you know, because you guys, I mean, you're a regular listener. Um, we still talk about politics. We still talk about economics, but it's from a very different perspective. It's mm-hmm. from a perspective of okay, how how do I grow? How do I survive and thrive based mm-hmm. on all of this that's happening around me? And what should my focus be? And the focus shouldn't be how do we fix government. The focus should always be how do we create a more abundant and rewarding and satisfying life for ourselves, and. I mean, half my audience just disappeared. they just and and people came out of the woodwork telling me what a terrible idea it was, what a terrible decision I had made, how I was going to fail, and how it was you know it was all over for me. best of <laughs> luck to you, go screw yourself, that kind of stuff um, and uh, and you know i I shrugged it off as I always do because I mean really what, what do these guys know about right. building a podcast, but that was that was the reason for the change is that i I wanted to have a really positive impact on the world, and I didn't see that from w- the first four years of doing the show.
2: That's yeah, interesting. It, yeah, it,
0: it was. I I remember. I remember very distinctly when you announced it because there was always there's always been a private Facebook group associated with the show, and I remember very distinctly the um, well, let's just say the absolute. Agony of the people in that group like where are we going to talk about this stuff where it's like the, That's the point guys don't talk about this stuff, right. right? That's 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 exactly what everybody was missing. It's you don't change the world by changing government You change government changing by changing you, you yeah. Change- yeah, And
1: the interesting an interesting note is that normally every libertarian group on the internet is a dumpster fire
2: <laughs> and we had decided
1: to put in some some very strict rules about our our libertarian group and said look you can no personal attacks no self promotion you know just just some general rules that any decent person would adhere to on their own and we well, i created um, we created i guess as a group what I think is it was hands down the best libertarian group on Facebook. hundred oh, percent. With close to ten thousand people in it. Wow. But I realized that hey, half of those people were part of the problem, not part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And so I made the decision to shut that group down and just not allow just not allow it to go forward. Um, financially, it was, uh, it was a, it was a struggle. It was a real struggle. I mean, with the advertising agency, with Westwood who, who handles my advertising, you know, they were less than thrilled about it. Although to their credit, they supported me through the entire transition, but had they not, I still would have made the same decision. It was still, it was yeah. still the right decision regardless.
2: It, well, it was. Yeah. Well, so, and, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go, 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 go. I was just going to say, I mean, we've talked about it a lot on the, uh, probably every episode I've been on Vincent is the the idea of it's it's way better to be a happy person than a negative person mm-hmm. and if you can if you can be a positive person you're gonna enjoy life a lot more and you're gonna get more out of life and you're gonna get more to the people around you as well and it, and it sounds like that's a kind of the shift that you took is let's stop being negative or let's get let's not be negative, let's focus on the positive and how we can improve ourselves.
0: And the the thing that happened in the group, and this is something that, you know, us old timers that have been in the group for a long time, Mm -hmm. you know, now that we're in the new group, what we've noticed is that, wow, the people that are here, it's just getting, making it a paid group, getting rid of, you know, getting rid of the politics out of the main focus of the podcast is drawn people into this group in a different way. People are participating. You know, you always talk about how on the Telegram group that we have, People are making business deals. I'm working with someone right now from the group. We're working on something for my day job. A nice deal that's going to make all of us some money. Yeah. And it's like this is this is the kind of thing that you do if you want to change people. Right. You don't you don't change philosophy. You don't argue about politics. You don't just dis- you, you know down. whether you're. Yeah, it just that goes nowhere. That goes nowhere. If you want right. to improve things, you have to actually do things, not argue about things.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's right. a lot of people who derive a great deal of satisfaction in the proving of their point, even uh-huh. though that, even if it's true, it results in in no substantive change to their lives or to the lives of the people that that now agree with them. And so hmm. the goal has to be, how do I take positive action? So if I want greater freedom and greater liberty, uh, the answer is is not to work tirelessly to reform government, which is we've proven time and time again is absolutely ridiculous, uh, but rather to figure out how we improve ourselves and how we improve the mindset that we use and that others around us use, and surrounding ourselves with people who have that same mindset. You're talking about the Telegram group, the winner's group that I created. That was completely accidental by the way like we had no idea that it would have the response that it had and you can go in that telegram group now and there are deals being being made there are side groups that are being set up because Hmm. of that um we make no money off of that and i don't have any interest in making any money off of it what i want to do is align people with a winning mindset so that they can find other people because frankly we're in short supply these days
0: yeah, it's in in fact when you usually when you come out to somebody and say, "Hey, you know, I'm going to start a business and I have this idea and that idea." You're almost universally mocked for it, right? It's like that's going to fail. That's usually the first reaction unless it's your really close friends who, you know, blow sunshine off your butt and humor you a little bit. It's almost always like, "Yeah, that's not going to work. That's not going to be a thing." And it's it's hard to be in a room when you're the only person that's driven that way. So even if you can't surround yourself in the real world, at least you have a place to go where you can be like, "Hey, there's other people that are ambitious that want to do better, that want to improve their life, that seek increase." You know, that that's a thing that you don't know you have until you're around other people who have it. And yeah, no,
1: you're absolutely right. And and what you realize is that I don't know. For me, it was somewhat of an awakening when I realized that there were other people who thought the same way I did, not not politically, but just Mm -hmm. about life in general, about work and about um, and had the same kind of internal drive and, and ambition that I that you don't really see in the vast majority of people i, I always it's the 90 10 rule you know it's <laughs> like 90 percent of the people don't have it they're just following the herd they're reacting to life but there are 10% of the people out there who are deliberate about what they do they're intentional about their lives finding those people is not easy to do but right. if you do all of a sudden it's like you found a home it's like oh this guy yeah, exactly. gets me
0: yeah, and, right. and that's something that that's something that is, and part of it is that usually those groups where you can find similar people are somewhat exclusive. Like someone like me, I don't have thousands of dollars a year to join a mastermind group. I just don't. I don't have right. it. I'll, mm-hmm. I, it's going to be a long time before I will ever have that amount of money. Oh, stop. F- stop that. Stop it right why, now. Quiet, Jason. Not I'm not trying to be humble here. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no. I went, I went from having absolute nothing, almost abject poverty to being a millionaire inside of three years. So uh, don't, don't stop. Oh, it's going to be a long time. No, no, oh, no. Oh, uh, Don't no. worry. I'm not. You work, you work really hard for a long time and then all of a sudden
0: things just explode and you're an overnight success. So well, that, it is funny. That is, I'll tell you what. That, that you got me there because yeah. I didn't have a business last year. I didn't have anything. I had nothing. And now I have sales. There you go. So, and i I've spent really almost half this year on the shelf and I still have sales and we have a podcast that I don't even, uh, every time I look at the numbers, I'm like, I don't believe we're still growing. Like every the slog week. of starting a podcast is brutal like it, it just sucks you know and it does it's and the funny thing is like this isn't my first pod i always say but this isn't my first podcast i was doing podcasts when you had to download them on itunes and put them on your ipod and we had i had a network with a partner of mine we had a network of shows that were running every single night we were doing live call-in shows before that was even a thing and we had it figured out and we were doing really well and then it blew up right <laughs> But building that was like, oh, God, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And then when you start to hit your stride, it's like, oh, okay, this is why I'm doing this. Like, I'm starting to feel and I'm starting to see the results. I'm starting to get that feedback. You know, people are listening. People are enjoying. And I I guess it's the same with everything. Creating a podcast, creating a business, right? Creating a brand, right? Creating a brand. Right, exactly. I I have a brand. My name has become a brand to the point where I killed my old Twitter account to get rid of all the politics and nonsense out of it so I could start it over as a business account mm-hmm. you know yeah. be- because that's I don't want politics associated with me in my brand I don't I'm I love my politics but I well, just it's, can't it's, be bothered an, anymore.
1: They, they say I, I think success has more to do with just being able to suffer longer than most people. It, <laughs> there, there,
0: <there's, laughs> and true. I love yeah, it. Yeah, no, I it.
1: I know you la- we laugh about that that's but that's really that's what it, it is. is like you right. i I'm, I was telling you the story about this podcast 300 downloads. It's like most people quit that seven mm-hmm. podcasts is all they ever get out they get really right. high and excited about it then they realize that nobody's listening and instead of just persevering and and making adjustments and and tracking performance and and doing all the things that it takes to be successful at anything the the learning curve that's involved they just give up and move on to something else and i just think that we have a we as entrepreneurs successful entrepreneurs just have this ability to suffer longer than anybody else and and that that's why we end up reaping the benefits, because they all just quit and move on, which opens the field up for people right. who actually really are willing to to grind. I, I hate the term grind, but to, to suffer
0: and to succeed. And, and it's just it's but interesting it, because I see it time and time again. Yeah, it is, but it, you know what it is? It is kind of a grind. Right. But it's not a grind where you're just like frivolous, frivolous. Wow, that's an easier word to think than it is to say <laughs> frivolously working to be busy. You're, if, you are, if you have a direction to what you're doing and where you're going, then it all, starts to come into, it all starts to come into focus
2: very clearly after a while. Right. And if you don't have that focus, you're just going to fail anyway. Well, and, the, and, and what is, I mean, it's not failing. It's, it's when things aren't going the right way, you you look at it and you say why is it not going the right way and figure out a solution versus just saying this doesn't work i give up right it's right. taking those and and making it a positive and figuring out the next the next step or the next move or the next thing to try to try to turn that around right so on episode 11 of this podcast i had a guest
0: i had a guest it was a good guy right and at the end of the podcast i said casually not even thinking about it, i'm like Because I know I didn't think about it, because people had to tell me I said it. But I said, you know, (laughs) I should bring this guy on as a co-host because we just clicked, right? And if you look at our numbers, our numbers are way better since Ethan and I started doing this versus when I was doing it. (laughs) Yeah, who was on episode eleven? I have no idea. But you know, sometimes you just—it was a slight change in direction. But we were doing all interviews. It was all interviews. It was me and guests. And we did all interviews. And they did well. I mean, we did really well. We got a good launch out of it. But now the show is kind of hitting the point where we have a regular audience that shares our stuff, that likes the show, that writes reviews. And it's like, oh, okay, Starting to feel the growth now. And I feel like that's the reward, right? It's not going to sustain me forever. Mm -mm. But it's so early stages where I go, this could be something, right? Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I just to give you an idea, I mean, you're on how many episodes have you guys done so far? This one when it drops will be episode 19. Okay, so you've done less than 20 episodes. I, I mean, I did the show for a year. And, and and I did five episodes a week I know uh, wow. so I mean you're talking 200 plus episodes and I'm still at 350 downloads a show mm. you know so just to give you an idea of of just how much content I was producing that was that was easily 200 and fi- 200 250 hours of content probably six to eight hundred hours of prep and, and post-production work maybe a thousand hours for uh you know for 250 for, for or, you know, for three hundred and fifty downloads an episode. It's right. it is When you realize that's that's one I keep saying this to I say it a lot and I don't know if it resonates or not, but we tend to see success after it happens. We tend to look at the guy who's got this massive podcast who's doing really well, and we're like, oh, it must be really nice to be that guy. Uh, But uh, you know, I've only got two hundred downloads an episode, or I've only got three hundred people listening to my show. And you don't realize, dude, everybody starts with zero friends on Facebook. Everybody starts with (laughs) zero followers on Instagram. Everybody starts in the same place it's just that guy has 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 been methodical and resilient where most people have not and that's why he's successful and everybody else is a failure and so I I don't know I just I try and push people to say listen Let's make some adjustments because you can't just continue to do something over and over again, not get a response and just keep doing it, which is what a lot of podcasters do. They do. Yeah. Instead, what you have to do is you have to say, okay, this is not having any growth results. Let's try doing something a little different. Let's try adjusting how we talk about stuff. Let's try adjusting who we, who we try and push this to and see if that doesn't have a, have a positive effect. Like you said, you brought on a, a, a a Mm co-host. I have a co-host. I find that I do much better with somebody to, to throw to, with somebody to bounce an idea off of than I do just being by myself in in, in the room recording the show. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are better the other way. Some people are better with interview shows. I really don't like interview shows. I like to just talk. And so everybody's got to kind of find their own rhythm and their own niche. But when it's authentic and it's real and it's and, and people are responding... Dude, that's. There's nothing more rewarding than that. There's nothing than getting that. Nothing better than getting that thank you note in the mail that says, you know, you just you've you've helped to change my life. Like you said, when you said I got a new job because I did what you told me to do. Mm-hmm. Like that's empowering to me. That that makes what I do worthwhile. Well, uh, because I'm at a point in my life, I'm at a point in my career where the money is secondary. The money is about keeping score. It's not about. It's not about feeding myself or my family anymore. Right. And, and so that type of stuff is why I, why I do everything now. Uh, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. The money is great. I love the money, but it's about more than that. And when you realize, when you get to that stage of, of your life or your career, it's, it's incredibly like the, the, the reward, I know everybody likes the fast cars. They want a big house. They want to, you know, nobody wants to have to worry about what the meal costs when they go to the restaurant, but once that stuff is satisfied, Dude, it's about something different. Mm-hmm. And f- I find a great deal of satisfaction in seeing other people succeed because of what I've helped inspire them to do or the knowledge that I've shared with them and I just I'm I'm grateful every day that I get to wake up and do what I do.
0: Well, one of the reasons one of the reasons I started this podcast was because of, you know, listening to you and listening to you talk about you know, increasing your brand and influence. And I figured the best way for me to do that would be to podcast. Because most people right now, I mean, the thing is like, oh, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to get out there. And I'm going to, yeah, you're not going to get seen. No one's going to notice you, right? But I know how to do podcasts. It's something I just know how to do. I've done it long enough. And I, I really am happy. I really am happy that there is a growth path for this show because I didn't realize how much it meant to me until what was it two months ago when I had to stop for a little while and that was the scariest thing ever because I've had to do that twice this year in March I had to stop my business basically put everything on the shelf for a couple of months while I recovered from the surgery and then from July until August the end of July till um, beginning of September rather I was on the shelf again because I couldn't couldn't put together a coherent sentence because chemo fog was just killing me. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, wow, we put all this effort in. I just brought Ethan on and things are finally starting to look up and we're doing good. And now I'm just going to blow this all up. And I, I I mean, I don't have a choice, but I panicked. I was like, this is just going to be over. And it wasn't. Mm -mm. And when you come back to it, you know, I know you took a break also when you went to California. So you would under you can understand, right? You you walk away from something and you think it's over. It's I want to come back to it, but I don't think it's gonna be there to come back to. Yeah. And you did that and you came back and the show was more focused. It was a new topic. You brought on Matt as a co-host, which I love Matt. I love him dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just everything changed, but it was still your show. And you just walked right back into it. And I know that, you know, maybe your numbers weren't. I don't know about the back end. I just know what I saw as a listener, that there was, you know, it was a break in time, but not a break in you. It was just a new show when you came back.
1: Well, I, I think that it's important for your listeners to know, too, that there is this assumption that if you are successful, that you just know what you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I didn't. Like, I, I, I didn't have any idea. Like, I, I knew that... I, I was lucky enough that I had had previous success, and, and so I was confident that if I built it once, I could build it again, that it really didn't matter what the, the format of the show was or what the genre was. That's that just that a I killer would, mindset, man. Yeah, that oh. I, would just, I would find a way to win because that's what I do, and I also knew that, that the other people who were criticizing me, that they had never done what I had done. Right. And so they were not in a position to provide me advice. And so I'm very careful about who I pay attention to and whose right. advice I take. But at the same time, I mean, if you talk to Matt and Amy, who were with me through the entire transition, and, mm-hmm. and you, you ask them, you know, how clear was the path? How confident were you that we were doing the right thing? We weren't. Like, none of us knew. <laughs> we're like, oh, well, we, let's see if this works. And,
0: <laughs> uh, and we really didn't know. And that's... that's were, you, were you at any point scared That when you came back, it was just going to be over? And then what do I do next? I was was
1: worried. I was worried that that more important. I wasn't worried that we would that it would be over and that nobody would respond. I knew it would take time to build a new audience. My biggest fear was that the advertisers would not stick with us through the transition that they would end up leaving and then we would be stuck. Um, you know, my podcast produces a significant amount of revenue every every month. It's it's a it's a small percentage relative to what the rest of the business produces, but it pays for itself plus a little bit extra. And so, the biggest my biggest fear was, oh, okay, they're going to drop us. Um, it's going to look bad that we don't have. Advertisers anymore, and more importantly, now we're going to be stuck building a show where I'm pumping money into this thing like I was in the beginning. Because in the beginning, I was just
0: dumping money into it, yeah, and to make it work. And you were advertising and, on some of the big libertarian podcasts, which I've never. That's how I found you, by the way. Your advertisements on um, Dave Smith's program, yeah. And I'm yeah, like, part of the I'm problem. like, Dave's a great guy. Who advertises a podcast? on a podcast what is wrong with this guy well but it worked. my
1: idea that was my wild ideas I was in I mean I I said where do I go like how do I find other people who would be interested and the truth is most of the podcasts out there aren't making any money right and I figured you know I'll bet they'd be interested in some money and we could trade audiences and if they listen to my podcast, people who listen to podcasts on average listen to five yeah. oh I and have so even more than, than that. that yeah yeah and so and they, they tend to be in the same genre, and mm-hmm. and so I just reached out to Tom Woods, I reached out to Mark Clare over at Lions of Liberty, and, and Dave Smith, and I just said, hey, would you guys be interested? I'll I send you some money if you'll just tell people about my show, and it
0: was always the same pitch. Hey, if you like my show, you'll probably like this other guy's show, too. And that was everyone. your ad. That was yeah. your ad, yeah, and that, that was the ad read from, on the to- I heard it on the Tom Woods show, I heard yeah. it on Dave Smith, and I'm like, this guy's got something going on, I'm gonna check it out, and... At that point, that. I was communicating every I was communicating. I was commuting every morning. I was yeah. and I would make sure I got your show right before I left, like Okay, I got Jason's show, that's my morning news break. Here we go, off that's to work. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so that was but nobody was doing that. No,
1: nope. I didn't understand why, because nobody's making there are very few people who are actually paying their, where their shows pay for themselves. And much less make any real money off of them. And I said, well, I bet if I can pull 200 listeners from here and 1,000 listeners from there that maybe I could build my show into something. And it turns out it worked even better than I had hoped. I was recruiting listenership at about $2 a listener. So it cost me about $2 to increase my listenership. And so for me, it was a math game. Right. I said, okay, I want to get to 30,000 listeners. That means I'm going to have to spend $60,000. Right. And that's the way we did it. I started out slow and I would buy $250 worth of advertising. And then we got big enough where I was able to get one person to give me some money to advertise. And I took 100% of that advertising and I pushed it right back into buying more advertising until I got to the point where I'm spending three, $4,000 to have Tom Woods read three ads for me. <laughs> and it's paying off in spades on right. the back end. So I had a show that people would listen to if they just knew about it, and I was right. confident that if people knew my show was out there, that they would listen to it, and that I would uh, that that I could keep them as an audience. And well, so the, for the me, retention it was just
2: about yeah. how do I get the how do I get the ears? Well, I think that's an important part too. It's like you knew that you had the retention once you got them over there, and that's a you know that's a hard thing to have confidence in, but. If you if you know you're going to get them, then it's worth spending the money to get them because then they'll stay and they'll stick. And and I'll I'll say it. I mean, I am an avid podcast listener, and I'm very loyal and committed to the podcast that I listen to. And I listen to them every week or every day, depending on the podcast. And you know, it, so once you get me, you get me, right? Yeah, and that's it's that way for a lot of people. Um, right. The people
1: who are who are avid podcast listeners really become devoted and. And they become connected if you do a good job your audience is connected like vincent and i know each other right we've we've never talked but he knows who i am i know Mm -hmm. who he is and there is a there is a relationship there um that 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 occurs whether you want it to or not they listen to you enough that they feel like they know you right and the more authentic you are and the more real you are Uh, the better it works. And it's one of the things I teach in in my branding program is just like, listen, you got to find out who you are. And that's really stage one is figure out, learn who you really are and what you're about, and then show it to the world. Just do it in a way that, that highlights the things you want people to see and downplays the things you don't. It's it's a, it's a relatively simple process that most people have just never taken the time to go through.
0: Oh, I've, uh, that's funny. That's funny you say that, because that's something I've been working really hard on. And Ethan can attest to this. We mm-hmm. had a guest a couple of weeks ago. We were talking to a woman who's a metal worker, um, one of my favorite people. Her name is Brandy Aube, and she is one of the nicest people ever. And, you know, at toward the end of the podcast, we got to talking. I said, you guys have no idea of the kind of person I used to be. I was angry <laughs> all the time. I was yelling. I was yelling about politics and screaming and just constantly angry all the time. I'm like... I just got tired of it like I was burnt out on it and I decided to literally literally completely change what I present to the public because I realized that that person is not likable. Right. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. And and that's a hard thing to say to yourself, right? When you you think you're like, look, I'm winning all these arguments and I'm have I'm making all these great points and then at some point you just go and no one likes me. Yeah. <laughs> and they like the arguments, they like watching the bonfire and that's great, but that doesn't really get you anywhere, and I just completely changed you know, my personal brand, and that, that just kind of flowed into everything else. I became a more positive person. This podcast See, doesn't have a, an explicit tag. It's the first podcast I've ever done that doesn't have profanity in it wow. because I figured, <laughs> wow. well... <laughs> Unless my co-host drops an f-bomb at the end of it, at, at the like the last minute of yeah, the last podcast. minute with the guest drops a big loud f-bomb. It's the only bleep we have in the history of the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. You say you're right because you, your brand, your brand is basically what you decide you're going to present to the public as you, and it doesn't have to be disingenuous. Yeah. It just has to be this is me, and this is the me I want you to see. You don't have to see all the warts. You can well. see. What I That's am.
1: right. You're just you're just being deliberate about right. what you show to people. It's it's not that I I talk about it as like if you meet me in person, I am I, I'm extremely I'm uncomfortable in crowds. I'm not loud. I, I'm not I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 very much in a a. a uh, the ty- i i'm, I'm non confrontational you know i just i am not interested i'm a genuinely happy person which is what made it difficult to do the show for so many years where i had to come in and be angry about the you had news you'd be fired up
0: every morning <laughs> yeah,
1: and fired up when in, when in reality i just like ah, you know what it's it's all going to be okay in reality but <laughs> everybody wants you to be motivated and excited and so i would create a caricature of who i am and i would i would show that piece of me that's really outgoing and, and there is that piece exists. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's something that I I'm an entertainer. So I, right. I get on stage and my stage is my podcast or it's the videos that I do and and I promote that. It's not disingenuous. It's just that's that's the portion of myself that I choose to present to the world. That's the caricature that I show. Well and, and um what people don't understand is that Nobody wants the, the real you is like everybody else. You're full of flaws. You're full of issues. You know, you, you, you've got a temper, you know, but you just don't show that because that doesn't advance the brand. That doesn't advance right. your, your your message. And if you're careful about what you present you can attract just the right kind of person to you which is what we're all looking for whether we're in business or whether we're just trying to run a podcast and be an advocate for for some cause we all need that and and that's developing that brand is is critically important
2: yeah and i I think what's interesting is i remember uh watching the three steps to influence the video that you put out and it's it's important that what you said earlier just a, a few minutes ago is that you're not being disingenuine like you you're not being fake you're not being anything you're just elevating the message that you want people to hear it's not like you're telling people things that they that are fake or you know whatever you are just elevating the pieces that they should hear
0: right and i I think that's something that i mean so for for makers one of the things that i learned one of the ways that i've implemented this exact idea I had a website that was basically just a mess, right? My, my website had, you know, build build um, descriptions of every project I did and a blog and a later on the podcast and the store and the front page. And what I learned, you know, and you sit there and you watch your analytics and you see what people are looking at and you realize nobody's looking at the build logs, right? Nobody's looking at this. They're looking at your store. They're seeing a mishmash of things that are not really on, co- on a cohesive brand. And you start to realize that, okay, I need to refocus this and refocus it quickly. And I gutted my website down to like three sections now. You know, it's the store, it's the blog, and it's the, it's the store, the blog, and the podcast. That's it. That's all that's on my website now. Why? Well, the store makes me money. <laughs> the podcast, well, it at least increases my brand if not make me money yet. And the blog, people read my blog, so I'll put the blo- I'll keep the blog up, but everything else is ancillary. Why would I focus on build logs
2: that no one's reading? And well, and you I, enjoy, and you, and it sounds like, from what I know, those are the three parts that you enjoy, too, right? Yeah, they're the parts that I actually care about, right? Right. the part, like, this
0: podcast, whatever ends up happening with it, I will do it probably for quite a while, just because I enjoy doing it. I like talking to people, I like talking to, I like, every once in a while, I get my very important people on, like my mentor, who's... I still can't believe this is happening, by the way. I'm not going to (laughs) fangirl all over you, but I still can't believe this is actually happening. But, you know, it's something that I know is going to grow the overall brand. I know it's something that's going to produce a return at some point. So it's worth it for me to put the effort into this, even though it's not doing it now. And I think that's something that people get wrong. You know, they see that, oh, this is not making money now. It's never going to make money. I'm just going to give up. And I was wondering what you thought about that. Um, About what? About about About, just not giving up, or what? About yeah, about you know, like they don't see the return fast enough, so they stop. Like, is it should you just go on and on and on? I mean, if you see a trend and it's trending slow, do you keep going with it, or do you just go? It's such a
1: difficult question to answer because a lot of it you can't um, you can't quantify. There's there's a for years and years in the because I've been in in the internet business for probably fifteen years now. And early on, everybody looked at how do we scale? And and the big thing was, oh, we're not going to do that because that won't scale. (laughs) What that basically means is there's either there's no measurable growth. You can't measure the growth or you you cannot get it. You cannot get it to a point where you could do, uh, you know, where it would infinitely scale. So, for example, if you're doing one on one consulting work, Mm -hmm. there's a limited amount of time that you have. So Mm -hmm. you can increase the price that you charge people, but there is, regardless of what people think, there is absolutely a limit to that because there's a limit to the return someone can get off of some coaching that you're going to give them or some consulting work. So um, to say everyone looks at it and says, okay, you can start out as a consultant, but eventually you've got to switch your model to a one-to-many rather than a one-to-one because one-to-many will scale and one-to-one will not. It's Mm -hmm. limiting. Well, for years, people would say, well, I, if I can't measure the return in a dollar-for-dollar in dollar return, then I'm not going to do it. So social media. Social media is extremely hard to measure yep. uh, the return on investment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't scale because you cannot tell unless you're buying advertising, like what's what's the return on the investment of my Monday morning drive? It's a live, free video that I do every Monday mm-hmm. to try and inspire people and motivate them to, to, to really reach the height of their own potential. Uh, What's the return on that investment of my time? I don't know. You don't know. There's no way to quantify that. But I know there's a return there, right? I I know that somebody comes in and maybe they listen to my podcast. I don't know what the return is on my hours spent in podcasting. I know that in terms of the revenue I generate from it, it's significantly less than if I didn't do the show and I just focused on the business. But here's the problem. I don't know how many people are finding me because right. of the podcast and then eventually six months later, a year later, buying a program from me. Right. I can't measure that. Yep. But I know that that social activity, that me putting myself out there and marketing myself has a net positive benefit to me uh, a, over the long haul. Absolutely. And so yeah. th- it becomes a process of saying well, okay, when are you supposed to quit? <laughs> right. I, I don't. I don't know. I just you got to look at you understand that your time is the most valuable thing that you have and so applying it where you can get the greatest amount of return or the greatest amount of satisfaction is the most important thing
0: so we've been talking a lot about podcasting and brand building and how to kind of start and everything but the big question is the big big question is what are people doing wrong in general as far as social goes because you st- you started to allude to it earlier that you can't really measure your returns from social it, and i what i see from a lot of people is they spend a ton of time on twitter they spend a ton of time here and there but they're not really it doesn't seem like it's getting them anything right there are some instagram influencers who get there you know they get brand deals and whatever and they get to get free stuff and whatever but yeah but what, they don't have a company
1: they just right. they, mm-hmm. they have, they have right. a revenue stream right
0: right so what is, is that something that is, what should people seek when they're starting out like what is where does where does someone start do you I, I know it's we got well, you said earlier and you're right we started zero right where do you focus initially to start the ball rolling I know you can't start with growth because growth happens over time but what do you do as a brand to start growing from zero yeah so the the first thing that I, I would I would
1: want to do is know what it is they're trying to accomplish so and, and who they're trying to attract because who you're trying to attract formulates everything it, it formulates how you develop a brand and what you show to people what aspects of your personality or your life you choose to show um, who is that person. It's going to be very different if you want to attract a pastor versus a pornographer, right? So <laughs> I hope uh, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and so we, we have to, and, it, and it's very different if you are trying to, for example, um, recruit people to be part of a volunteer movement versus you are trying to get people to buy a product or a service, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to know those things first. The the biggest problem I see people making online and especially in social media is that they're trying to sell themselves in social. And it's, it's the wrong approach. You can put advertising out there and you can p- p- push people over to download your free stuff. But that's a rather, it's a very, people, what they want is they want the holy grail of marketing. They want to come in and spend a dollar and make a dollar 25. Yeah. And <laughs> And then they want to do that over and over again. The problem is, is that right now, as it sits today, The advertising costs have gotten so expensive and Facebook and and Google have become so efficient at pricing their their advertising, that it's becoming uh, it's becoming less and less likely that you are going to achieve that at, at, at with a cold audience. Yeah, right? now there's all kinds of ways true. to increase your odds by by retargeting and remarketing to people that have already seen your stuff. But in order to do that, they have to first see something. Right. So what are you producing in terms of organic content? Just just pure content for people to consume. And at that level, what you're really looking for is affinity. You're looking for alignment. You're looking for someone to, to see you and say, hey, I know that guy. I like what he has to say, and I think he's, I think he's on the right track. Like, I think that guy is worth listening to. Mm-hmm. See, that's affinity. It's, it's a level that is – they don't necessarily have a trust factor with you or they're going to buy from you. It's possible. But what they really do is they recognize that you exist and they know that at a a fundamental level, at a core level, they agree with you and your way of looking at the world. And that doesn't come through you selling and pitching your product over and over again to them. It comes from talking to them about things that nobody talks to them about like right. money and business and sex and politics and, and relationships and health and fitness and, and them seeing your life and where you're going and what you're doing and you kind of like folding them in on a social level to who you are as a person. Right. And while at the same time recognizing that what you're really doing is is you're showing them the the, the side of you that you want them to see mm-hmm. so that they become more aligned to you, more trusting of you, and that ultimately they end up turning over – and and wanting to assume or or convert to your way of thinking. But the biggest problem I see is there's too much selling in social, and there's not enough affinity and alignment creation.
0: Do you you think the amount of selling and the amount of I, I would almost call it whoring, and I hate to call it whoring, because we're all kind of we're all running some kind of business where we're selling stuff, but it's almost like over the top selling. Do you think that people see you know, influencers sitting there with their free products and and they know that they're being hoard all the time. They're like, oh, it worked for them. It's going to work for me. So why don't I do the same thing that the Kardashians are doing, where Hmm. everything they put in their hand and every photo on their Instagram is something that was probably given to them just so that they would hold it on camera, you know? Right. Is, is, is Is that the kind of thing that I, people see it and it probably discourages the hell out of them because you don't get those deals. It, you just don't. You 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 have to grow to that size to get those deals. That's kind of the way it works. Yeah, I think it goes back to what you said earlier: is that most people are looking for the quick
1: the quick buck. Most people are looking to step in. They're like they they see this social media thing and they see this. Uh, like I work uh, in a lot with with coaches, consultants, with people who are the primary face and brand of their company and what i see a lot is they want to come online they want to post a couple of videos and they want to all of a sudden develop this following mm-hmm. and and that hope you start building that and developing that more slowly over time and and i think what most people see is most people don't understand how to sell, number one. They're, they're terrible salespeople. <laughs> I'm one uh, of them.
0: and I'm not going to lie.
1: <laughs> and, and after being terrible salespeople, they're even worse marketing people because marketing <laughs> is a lot more difficult than selling. Right. Marketing is the process that predisposes somebody to your sales message, right? So, you know, first of all, they have to be open, open to receiving your sales message. But here's the crazy thing. Like I follow people all the time that I feel like I have a relationship with and I follow everything they do. And I, I watch a lot of people in the marketing and sales space because a lot of what I do is, is developing that and teaching that to other people. I watch how they're building their brands and I take information from that because I know it probably better than anybody on earth. Uh, and so as I'm, as I'm watching them create, I love getting messages from them on stuff I can buy. I love it when they say, "Oh, I'm having a webinar and, you know, for 300 bucks you can come and spend 3 hours with me." Dude, done. I don't <laughs> for some of these guys, I don't even need to know what it is. I just want to buy it because I want to see what they're doing, how they're selling it, what the content is that they're putting out. I just want to see it. Mm-hmm. But that comes only after an affinity is built, a trust level is built yep. that, "Oh, what these guys do, I love and I want more of it." The problem with most people who come into the space is they don't want to do that front end work. They're entering the conversation and they're entering the process at the point of sale, and it fails miserably for mm. them. And so you've got to you've got to do that stuff on the front end, and that just it takes time. Nobody wants to hear that, but if I'm being honest with with your listeners, it's gonna take some time.
2: Right. But what about on the back end where? Because there's been a bunch of people um, that I've followed or, and i watched their YouTube videos and everything. And they've gotten to the point where they're so big that the brands are throwing them money that they can't turn down. And I used to trust everything that they said because for that exact reason. I was bought into them as a person. I trusted them. I was bought into their brand. And now I'm starting to say, you know what? I don't know if I can really trust their you know, their opinion anymore. I'll, it, yeah, I'll give you a great example. In our space, Jason, one of the things that we see,
0: and we talked about this a couple yeah. of weeks ago, where somebody will get a tool sponsorship with, let's say, Rigid, and their mm, their mm-hmm. their whole shop's orange, and they got the Rigid banner on the top, and they're ready to go, and it's like, boom, Rigid, I'm a Rigid guy. And then eventually the money dries up, and all of a sudden every tool in there is black and yellow, and they're talking about DeWalt. They're like, hey, no, these are the best tools ever. And it's like, oh, Okay, so what about when Rigid was the best tools ever? And yeah, that's a that's the kind of thing that we see in the makerspace a lot, where the brand deals just completely distort the person that's that's promoting the brand. But how do you balance that? I mean, how
2: do you uh, tell those people? I mean, they're they're getting money for that, right? They're and they're not bad tools necessarily. Basically, is there a genuine way to
0: to handle something like that? Like uh, my philosophy would be, and mind you, I'm not getting these brand deals, so I don't even know, but my philosophy would be I'm not gonna just switch my whole shop out and pretend that it didn't happen I can't do that it's part of it that's my integrity what what do you do in a situation like that like especially when you have one brand and then your next sponsor is a competing brand like how do you how do you maintain your integrity through something like that is it just disclosure is that all you really need to do or
1: you, you know I run into that problem occasionally on my show it, it doesn't happen very often because our sponsors tend to be they they have some longevity with us, but mm-hmm. in that situation, as long I'll always look at it as, uh, like I say, uh well, what's the one? Like Harry's razors. It's the mm-hmm. only razor I ever use. It's the only razor that I ever want to use. You know, if another razor company came in and they wanted to advertise other than Harry's, we'd have a bit of a problem there, right? And and, and I would have to would take some very careful consideration to to make that conversion because as you say, there's a level of trust that gets violated with your audience when that happens and it reduces sales on the back end. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a, I know several, uh, I know several very successful actors here in, in California, like people that you would know if I said their names and sitting in conversations with them. One of the things that's very, that's very prevalent in the acting community is when you actually make it big, a lot of guys will just simply sell out and they just, all they want to do is make as much money in the, as they can in the shortest period of time. And so they end up doing movies and films that pay them a lot of money, mm-hmm. but that are absolute garbage and it and totally des- off-brand i'm sure yeah totally off-brand and right. it destroys their it destroys their marketability because now everybody's like oh yeah that guy is the you know it's it's uh you know when de- when de niro decided i was just gonna that- say de niro is a perfect <laughs> example yeah, de niro is this. a perfect example right so <laughs> when he decided to go do all of these like comedies right in yep. the Fockers and stuff the interns really damaged his brand and and he never he didn't ever come back from that now he's old enough that he probably doesn't care he's just like whatever i'm i'm rich and i've had a successful career. And I just want to do stuff. That's fun. That pays me a lot. Okay, fine. But we as entrepreneurs, when you reach a level of success, there will be people who are throwing money at you like that. Right. Um, the worst thing that you can do is to like, I don't want to be in a position where I ever have to worry about a sponsor. Like I, I sell my own stuff. I'm my own man. I have my own brand And you know what, if I don't want to sell your stuff, I don't want to feel obligated. If you show up with a million dollars and you want me to promote your stuff, well, if it's good, then I want to be able to say yes. But I also want to be able to say, no, I'm not going to do this just for the money. Mm -hmm. And, and that only comes again, when we talk about freedom. And when I talk about liberty, and, and most importantly, how do you create that in your life, is, look, it, it's all about financial independence. At the end of the day, having fu money is the only way to ensure that you're going to be safe. Because <laughs> right. it means that no matter what happens, you can tell somebody to go screw themselves, and your brand is big enough, your company is big enough, that you don't have to worry, because you're going to be fine. Right, you
2: don't have to take that deal that you don't feel no. about. Right.
0: One of your quotes that I've repeated on this show a lot, and I'm not sure if it's yours or if it's one of the people you've, um, you've read, or it's the quote about no matter what your business is, your job is always sales and marketing. Right. And I, I, I've learned, you know, I always said like, oh, I can just start a store and, you know, sell my jewelry, do my woodworking and whatever. And yeah, I'm, I'm doing that, right? But you do start to realize if you want to grow anywhere you really do have to start learning both sales and marketing. It's, it's, it's powerful once you start learning where your people are and how important word of mouth is. You know, Ethan and I were talking about, I have a friend who is absolutely gorgeous and I love giving her free stuff because I know that if I give her free stuff, she's gonna wear it on Instagram and people are gonna ask about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, but you don't you don't think that way as just someone that owns a business. You think, I don't wanna give away all my stuff for free but sometimes the,
1: the worst opinion the worst the worst frame of mind that you could have as an entrepreneur is if i build it they'll come. Yeah. So if i build this great product or and i just dump all of my time and energy into into beating everybody else in terms of quality and price and everything that that people will just flock to me and they don't. They don't you know? because they, they can't they,
0: find you. No. That's right. the thing. That's what people don't understand. It's not a matter of if you have a good product. There's a lot of good products and companies that don't make it because nobody knew they existed. You can't have success if you don't exist, and you don't exist if nobody knows you're there. It's the tree falling in the forest, right? No one knows it fell if there's no one in the forest to hear it hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's absolutely. a lot of a lot of these little businesses, you know, and they have a good product. I've seen so many, so many good products. Yeah, right. Like we've not, in, especially in the maker space, you see yeah. these guys who have like, I'm going to make this one product. It's going to be awesome. Okay. Good, good, go for it. And you see a couple of months later, yeah, we're shutting down production. We can't make it because we didn't get enough of the sales. Well, yeah, and what's sad is it probably is a great product, right, yeah, it exactly. Is yeah, an incredible product, right. Off often, often it is, and that's that's you're right, that's the saddest part of the whole thing where you're like, wow, you really did have a good idea, you just had no idea what to do with it.
2: Well, Vincent, we talked about this before too. Like, so I'm I'm big on the giveaways for on a product that makes uh, sense to give away, and so I give away a product to someone else, and they, so everyone's always like, why you you're always participating in these giveaways? But you know what? That person gives away my one product and from that i get like 10 sales from that one product that right. pays so much more than the one thing i gave away it's it's product it's it's weird because a lot of people that do
0: what we do that make things especially people that make things and sell them they're very product focused and business blind yeah. you know they see the upside they see the upside of making the product and selling the product but they don't see that hey if i give away this product to the right hands you know, maybe somebody else will buy it based on that. Now I'll sell more of them and that'll grow me. That'll branch me out to people that don't know my stuff at all.
2: And it's still got to be strategic. I mean, you can't just of be away, right? But, but if yeah. you're, it's like I said, it's like I said
0: in the, in the episode, the Q&A episode, if you don't, if your margins can't sustain a giveaway, then your margins are too low. That's right. the bottom line. You have to, in what we do with a physical product, you almost, you're almost required to have some, I guess, slack inventory, I would call it. Mm-hmm. Stuff that you go, okay, I'm, I know I'm going to make this stuff and I'm going to have some inventory and I know I'm going to be able to give it away if I need to. I gave away, a bu- there's a charity auction at the end of the month in Tennessee. And they contacted me and said, hey, could you give us a couple of pieces for a charity auction? I'm like, of course I can. And they said, good, we'll promote you in the program. Perfect, thank you. I don't know if that's going to generate a single sale. Mm-hmm. But I know that if I didn't give it to them, that would generate no sales. Right. And that's kind of where I'm at now. It's like I, I'm starting to understand more and more the value of putting your brand out there as much as putting
2: your product out there. Your well, product can't speak for itself. And making your brand something that's people respect and want to be part of, right? I mean that's yeah. the other thing is a, a charity is not a bad thing to have your name on, right? Exactly. You know, nobody look nobody looks
0: at someone that donates to a charity and goes, What a waste.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: So, uh, I think we're going to, um, I think we're going to wrap a little bit early if that's okay with everybody. I don't want to keep Jason longer than I promised to keep him. (laughs) Dude, you're, you're fine, man. What, it's your show. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, it's funny because I, I, all day I've had these weird butterflies, like what, what are we going to, what am I going to say to Jason? You know, it's hard. It's hard when you have someone on that you, that you really admire and you really respect and who's you know when if jason says jump i say okay where are we jumping what where would, where do we go to jump you know what do we one of the things that you did i was coming home and this is my this is when i tell people what you're about right um one of the things i remember so vividly so vividly it was february 25th i remember the day and i was going to columbia hospital in new york city for my pre surgical consult and i was listening you were doing an episode and you did um there was a woman who wrote in. Her name was Erica, and she talked about how she had, you know, all the she had these financial problems, and she had a a troubled child who had some kind of um, mental disability in some form, and she, it was a sh- constant stressor on the family, and they were their finances were suffering, and she said, "I, you know, I hope you if you're going to talk about it, don't use my name because I don't want, you know, if you're going to say bad things, just keep my name out of it." And I remember you saying why would i say anything bad about you you're hustling at a level (laughs) that people just don't hustle you know you're you're struggling financially your your husband's working incredibly crazy hours just to try to keep your family together and you're taking what little time you have to try to make yourself better why would i why would i ever ever criticize you what and that really hit home. I remember because I was in a really just a foul, the world isn't fair, everything sucks kind of mood that day. And I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, you know, I have it kind of bad, right? I'm, I'm about to have major scary, could die at the table surgery. And here's Jason encouraging this woman who's going through probably something a hundred times worse. Look, If I'm gone, my wife will hurt, my family will hurt, and that's it, right? But I don't have kids. And the, the podcast watch- will
2: hurt, too, Vincent. Just so. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs>
0: just kidding. Um, but it, I'm I'm, I'm, going, I'm watching all these people struggle, and it just puts everything in perspective. And the way you just kind of just said, hey, listen, no one's ever going to say a bad word about you. And if they do, as you put it, they're a giant piece of shit. Mm-hmm. It was one of the few times you've used that word on your podcast. But I, I just love the way you, you can distill a message down like that because she needed to hear that. And you knew exactly what she needed to hear that day. And ironically, as much as she needed to hear it was as much as I needed to hear it. And it wasn't even directed at me Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I was just feeling, I'm, I'm telling you, I felt like the world was just unfair. Like, why is this happening to me? And I know that my general tone in life is I don't control what happens to me a lot of times, but I can control what I do about it. And that was what I was doing there. But I needed that pep talk. And that pep talk stuck with me the whole time. And I don't think people understand. When you talked about affinity before, that's the kind of thing that builds affinity. Yeah, when, 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 you, when I hear you sure. talking to someone else, but I can internalize it to the point where it feels yeah. like you're talking to me. You're always talking to me. When you say something... And I'm not talking crazy people looking at the TV saying Walter Cronkite's talking to me. I'm talking the message is resonating for me. You're speaking directly to me, and I'm feeling every bit of it. I don't, I, that's the kind of thing, and that can't be taught. Like nope. that's just something you either know or you don't know. You're either an empathic person or you're not. You, you can do that or you can't. And what I loved about that was it was just a demonstration of, what it means to connect to people even when you're not talking to them one-on-one. It was just the most amazing. It's one of my favorite moments. There's two favorite moments. The other one I actually snagged a video from the live stream of. I posted it a couple of days ago. Um, But you've said some things over the years where i just like, my God, he just knows what I want to hear when I want to hear it. And I'm amazed that you have such a knack, not just for the brand building part of it, but the communication part of it, where you just... It's almost like you have this psychic ability to know what people need to hear. And you don't sugarcoat things, but you don't have to sugarcoat things. You can just be honest. Well, and that's I think that's the trick, man, is that's just that's just the honesty
1: of it is that you I mean I've part of it is just life experience, you know, having been on the ragged edge and and feeling like you just can't give another inch, and you can't. There's not one more thing, and if one more if one more thing is piled on top of you, you're gonna snap, and you're just gonna f- completely crumble. Yeah, all of us yeah. have have been through that in in our lives, and and being able to tap into that and just reading her letter was was heartbreaking to me because I saw a woman who was listening to my show who was hearing me challenge her constantly to do more and, and to strive for greater things and, and to, you know, to, to reach her true potential and, and to realize, dude, she, what she needs, what she, see, most people don't need that. Most people need to hear the motivation stuff. Most people need to be challenged. What she needed was to Support. be given permission to relax. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But wow, if you notice
1: I don't know if you, the the follow up to that I it, was it, just going to say there was a yeah, follow up later she te- she sends me another email and she said I, you said exactly what I needed to hear but I I went ahead and I pushed forward, and now my husband is going to be able to drop his overtime, and the daycare that we started because I have a child with special needs that really can't go to daycare, so we started our own, and and it's spinning off cash <sighs> oh now, and, and we're going to be in a in a good financial position soon, and I get to spend time with my kids, and and essentially, I I gave her permission to to stop and to rest and just to do what little she could, um, but she she drove on. She she already had that ambition. And so she didn't need more motivation. She just needed to be supported and loved and appreciated and, and to have somebody value what she was already committing. And that ended up inspiring her to just try even harder. And so I just I mean, I don't know, I, empathy may be something that is unique to individuals. I, I think that I'm probably more understanding and more empathetic than a lot of people. I can be harsh if I need to, I can, I can give you the hard truth if I think that's what you need to hear. But I, I'm, I try to be in tune with what, with what other people are struggling with, and I try and always look at it from their point of view. And that helps me to formulate... Um, formulate a conversation and it helps me to teach and it, it helps me to inspire and it helps me sell frankly. Right. Because if I can look at everything I'm doing from the from your perspective and say, okay, how would Vincent respond to this? Mm-hmm. Um, what would he think of the way that I'm approaching this? And then I, I modify my message or I, I change a little bit about what I'm doing to try and attract the right kind of people and try and have a message that resonates. I mean, if I can roll this back to what we first started talking about, which was the shift in the show, I mean, the majority of people who agree and align with the majority of people will agree and align with my philosophy on life, on politics, which is don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. And the problem is, is that most of the people who adhere to that philosophy don't know how to communicate it, right. and so you see libertarians and and people who are you know uh, traditional liberals who can't articulate their message because they don't they can't see things from the other person's point of view or they and don't so they even end bother up just trying. trying to win arguments. Right, and and that's what we need to get to as salespeople, as marketing people, as human beings is. A level of empathy that says I won't be trampled on, and and I won't um, I, I won't subject myself to cruelty or to abuse but well, at the same time i want to understand you and i want to find a way for us to cooperate and, and communicate so that we can all live a better life a more fulfilled life a more abundant life and that only happened we're communal people that only happens through cooperation and through an understanding of what other people are thinking and feeling when you
0: were talking about erica you said she had that drive right even though she was she was somewhat seeking permission to just lay off the gas a little bit and you kind of like you said you gave her that permission but the drive was clearly there because in the follow-up she's built something instead of taking that rest that you know you gave her the permission to take so the question I have is do you think that that drive is just in you or not or do you think it's something that can be developed or taught I think I think this is one of the reasons I say people should
1: do things that that are inspire them and and that uh, that energize them is that I think that that is something that everybody has it mm-hmm. they just don't know how to apply it. So when I used to train special operations guys in the Marine Corps, one of the things that I was we would always look for is we would look for a guy who just wouldn't quit. Like I didn't care how strong he was, I didn't care how fast he was. Because I could, I I really didn't, smarts, you can, he has to have a certain level of intelligence, but past that I can teach him what he needs to know. What I can't give a guy is heart. I can't make him want it. I can't make him keep going when every muscle in his body is telling him that he needs to quit. And so what I constantly looked for, what we all looked for was that, that heart that I want to be here no matter what I may finish dead last I may be dying as I cross the finish line but I want to be here mm-hmm. and anybody who has that level of heart I, I want that guy with me because I know that once he gets into the unit and he surrounds himself with a bunch of other people who are um, who are just studs that he's going to start to raise his game right that he's going to get stronger he's going to get faster he's going to learn the material because he wants to be there And he wants to be respected by the other people in the unit. Uh, What I don't want is the guy who smokes it all the way through everything, acts like he's better than everybody else, uh, isn't helping out his other teammates, doesn't turn around when he gets to the finish line and come back and support the other guys as they're coming through. That guy always gets cut. That guy always gets sent home because we don't want that guy. And so you've got to find in your life, those things that really inspire you, that truly bring you joy and passion and that, and and that, that get you out of bed in the morning and then pursue those because that's what's, that's, what's going to ultimately take you to where you want to be in life. And it's going to, what's going to bring you joy and passion, um, all the days that you're working and beyond.
0: It's also uh, the thing where a lot of people like I'm 43 years old and I didn't start my business till I was 42 years old, you Mm know, and you st- i you always feel like oh it's too late it's too late it's it's kind of not ever too late never if you're if you're driven enough to make it work it's harder you know if you put in the 10 years of building something if you you know you put 10 years of building something in at age 50 well by the time you really got it yeah you're a little bit on the older side i get that but I always feel like people just sell themselves way short, you know. So well, what? So you, what?
1: Like we talked about in the beginning, it, yeah. it took me a couple, three years to make my first million dollars, right? right. So you're mm-hmm. 43. You've been out mm-hmm. of the year. You, you know, you might be a multimillionaire inside of five years before um, the age of 50. Right. Yeah. So, is it worth trying? Would it worth be right. trying? If you were fifty years old, would it be worth trying? Damn right it would. But be. you know what? For me? If you don't be.
2: try, it's definitely not going to happen. Right. right? Exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. You're guaranteed to not be a millionaire if you never try, <laughs> right. or a billionaire. Absolutely. Right. We're getting mm-hmm. to the point where a million dollars really isn't that much money anymore. <laughs> no. Or you know, ten million dollars, twenty million dollars, a hundred million dollars is really where it's at. So you know, you start, but you don't start out with a mindset that says I'm going to make a hundred million dollars a year. No. Right? You, that, right. That that
0: that's that that's too far away. Well, it's like right. I told so you last week. I had my first two hundred dollar day on my site, and I was like yeah. over the moon. I was like two hundred dollars, man. Yeah. I made two hundred dollars today. I know there are people that are looking at, well, I just spent two hundred dollars to park my car, and I get that, and I I can appreciate, and I know there's perspective. But what that two hundred dollars tells me is that I'm doing something right, you know. What and that, it tells
1: you is is that it's whatever you're doing is working. Right. Yesterday you didn't make two hundred dollars, right.
2: and today you did. Right. Well, listen, I make way more than that. A day at my day job right but if i make 200 on my on my passion and my side hustle and all of that that's way more rewarding than what i make on my day job right i mean that's just the way oh, it yeah. is
0: oh yeah i mean there's there have been times in the especially in the last couple of weeks where i'm like i think i need to start going part-time to the day job and really focusing, focusing. on the side hustle yeah like as i just don't it's not I work for a great company. I do. I, I always so say this. I, yeah. they, they've been the greatest company mm-hmm. I've worked for, probably in my life. They've been great to me. They expected nothing out of me as they got half an employee for a year. okay? Right? But in the end, in the end, I need to pursue what's going to fulfill me. And what fulfills me is, you know, making sales of jewelry I make, making custom woodworking projects, going down to my shop and spending two or three hours on a Sunday when everybody else is watching football and I'm down there working because I need to work because I want to make that money. I want to grow this business. And to me, that is where I get the fulfillment from. Right. I don't get the fulfillment from the day job that I get from the night job. It's because I chose the night job, right? The night job is what I love to do. I do. I wake up at six 30 in the morning. I go for a run. I come home. I manage my business before I go to work and then I go to work. Why? Because I love it. Because it gets, like Jason says, it gets me out of bed. It makes me, it gives me purpose. And I think a lot of people don't understand what purpose is because they've never had that thing that was theirs. Their Mm -hmm. job has always been, I'm going to go sit at a desk and work for somebody else. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. You got to pay bills. The world doesn't stop because you don't work. But at the same time, what gets me out of bed is not the idea of going to work answering emails and designing product packaging. It's a great job. It pays me well. I like the people I work with. I like the people I work for. But man, when I get home and I get to do this podcast on Monday nights or tomorrow morning, I have all my stuff set up on my table over here that I'm (laughs) going to start making. I have client work sitting here waiting for me and design work that I have to do to make custom pieces for clients. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of work. And I'm damn happy that I'm going to have the opportunity to do that when I wake up tomorrow. And I think that's a drive that, yeah, maybe maybe you can teach it, maybe not, but maybe if you don't have it, you know, as Dave Swiduck said, maybe if you don't have that drive, you're just doing the wrong thing and you need to find what your thing is that's going to motivate you to get it
2: done and be passionate while you're doing it. So. Absolutely. Life's way more happy when you yeah. have that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And happiness is really, really, really important. It's probably the most important thing. You know, you can break it down into its, you know, components, what makes you happy, you know, your st- your economic stability, your personal life stability, your relationship stability. You can break it all down and say, this is what makes me happy. But overall, the bottom line is happiness. It- it's trite, but it's also true. Right. Happiness really is everything. If you're not happy in your life, everything else is going to fall apart at some point because you can't sustain an unhappy life. It's just that simple. So true. All right. <laughs> ah, now that we've had our, our little moment, I pretty much think I know the answer. But Jason, every time we have a guest on, we ask the same question. And the last question we always ask them, what represents fulfillment for Jason Stapleton? How do you see fulfillment? What do you see fulfillment as? What would you consider fulfillment?
1: I don't know, man. Because I'm not a. I here's the thing: is that I'm 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 con, I'm never here's the thing I'm content. I'm just never satisfied.
0: I love that <laughs> Right. So <laughs> fulfillment.
1: Like I'm happy with where I am. I have I have a beautiful life. I I I I enjoy. Like I'm a happy person. Uh, but at the same time, there is this uh, there's this underpinning drive and ambition that refuses to let me stand still. And I am unhappy if I'm not moving forward. And, and so, to me, I think the answer to that question would be just the, the constant pursuit of, of some, uh, of some increase. I think that we all want increase in one form or fashion, whether it's our health, our wealth, our happiness, our friendships, whatever it is that you choose to want to pursue in terms of your own increase. Um, mine, I want it all. I, that, and that's, I'm greedy when it comes to that. <laughs> I, I want the money. I want relationship and friendship. I want, you know, the love of a beautiful woman. And, and I want to, I, you know, I want, I want all of it mm-hmm. and so for me it is there is there is always that drive and and so I don't I'm not really sure how to answer that question other than I am I'm very blessed and very grateful and never satisfied I
0: think that's I, an answer in itself right yeah I, I love that I answer. love that We've actually used that quote from you, by the way, about being content but never being satisfied. yeah, yeah. I I know I'm not going to be presumptive and assume you've listened to the podcast. i'm a, I'm going on the assumption that you may have caught an episode or two just to warm up for the show. I'm like, I'm gonna leave myself with that illusion. So if it's not true, don't tell me. But we have quoted you., yeah. it's so weird to have you on the show because I've quoted you even in interviews before Ethan joined the show. I've quoted you so many times on this show. And it's amazing how many of those little nuggets of Jason Stapleton wisdom made its way onto the show. And now to have you actually on the show, it's just been awesome. I, I've been totally loved having you on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Well, no, I've, I've had a really great time. You guys have a great show, and I, it's gonna, I know it's going to blow up because you guys have a very casual and easygoing um uh mood and and it's very conversational and i think that it's just a matter of time just keep doing what you're doing because you're um this I've, i do i've done a lot of podcast interviews this one was the i'm i really enjoyed this one so thanks you
2: for having yep. me on thank I really you appreciate so much i mean so much jason thank you so much it's, yeah. it's
0: awesome and We'll have links to all Jason's stuff. Don't worry. We're not going to make you rattle it off. I know where to find you. I know pretty... (laughs) At this point, I know really well where to find Jason Stapleton if I want to find Jason Stapleton. Um, That's going to do it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you like what you hear, share the show more importantly please leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to we just figured out how many we actually had gotten recently and next week we're going to do that review show that we were talking about and give a little props to the people who wrote them and who knows we've actually worked out the giveaway that might or might not be happening so maybe you might want to write a review but until next time have a great week everybody and we will see you then